welcome to part two of our college football show. There is plenty of action on tap as the college football schedule heads into the later window and evening hours of week nine. Penn State visits Ohio State and looks to hand the Buckeyes their first Big Ten defeat. The Nittany Lions are smarting from a nine overtime loss to Illinois. Also up is Auburn battling Ole Miss in an SEC clash and SMU puts an unbeaten mark on the line at Houston. Hand tied because we save the best matchups for last. Welcome in to the BetUS College Football Show. It is week nine. It is part two, and I am ready to rock and roll. We've got some fantastic games, some monster matchups, big brand names going on this weekend. I could not be more excited to get to it. So why don't we go ahead and introduce the experts on the show. On the right side, we have Kyle Hunter, who is typically on the right side of most of his picks. So <laughs> as, as dumb and cliche as that sounds, uh, but he's awesome and has been awesome so far all season. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Hunter Picks. He is our award-winning professional handicapper. Kyle, uh, another fantastic weekend of games. This is, uh, is going to be a big weekend. And next weekend, you know, not as many big-time matchups, but uh, but this one, I mean, I, I don't think you want to take a break all day Saturday, right? No, man. I've already talked to the wife about Saturday. Saturday is off, off uh, the schedule for, for anything outside of college football. So uh, sometimes that's like a discussion for Friday night, but this week I had to get that one in early because uh, there's a lot of good games this weekend. Really looking forward to it. Uh, the entire slate looks absolutely jam-packed. On the left... Parker Fleming, you can follow him on Twitter at Stats of War. He's our numbers guy. He's our stats guy. Uh, I call him the numerical guru. You can find his stuff over at cfb-graphs.com. Uh, but also, his his Twitter has got all of his advanced previews and all that, so go and check it out at Stats of War. Parker, uh, good gracious, the raw numbers took a hit last week, like we discussed on Wednesday's show, but uh, they're all just data points that, that get us to uh, a little bit better end of the season, I feel like. Uh, so at the end of the day, you can't be too upset with them, but, uh, but yeah, last week, a little rough this week. Uh, I mean, we got some, we got some crazy stuff on the horizon for Halloween weekend, right? Definitely. And you know, um, there's something to be said about being that consistently wrong as well. That's informative, <laughs> you know, at least, uh, something there, but, um, yeah, man, I'm excited for the slate of weekend games. Not that last week wasn't fun, but there are some, just, just some hardy matchups here, even if there aren't some good, uh, as many ranked matchups as, as you would think. Um, so some just blue bloods kind of fighting it out and, uh, some really interesting storylines along with some fascinating games to talk about. So I'm, I'm excited to dive in. Same here. Same here. I am pumped about it. I'm ready to rock and roll. Uh, go ahead and tell everybody, like the video for us. Make sure and subscribe to the channel. Hit that notification bell. We do this every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, every Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Go ahead and make sure that you are subscribed, that you jump into the chat. We've got Steven in there already, Brad, uh, Eagle, Casey. I, I'm hoping I'm saying that right. Robert's in again today. Uh, you guys do this with us all the time, and we could not appreciate it more uh, continue telling your friends about it. Do all the fun stuff. Uh, share it out, all that. And uh, again, hit the notification bell. It lets you know when we go live. And jump into the comments with your picks on the games. We're going to give you our picks where we see value. But we want to know what you guys are thinking as well. So go ahead and do that also. Uh, jump in to BetUS.com. Go ahead and sign up. It's where the game begins. Use the promo code NCAAF2021. You will get a 125% deposit bonus. It is 
a fantastic deal. I say it every every time, every time out. But I can't stress it enough. It's it's a deal you cannot find anywhere else. 125% sign-up bonus up to $2,500. Go and take advantage of it. There is a link in the description below, and you can click that. It's going to toss the promo code in there for you, so you don't even have to remember exactly what I'm saying. But I will tell you again, just in case you're listening, NCAAF 2021 is the promo code. Go ahead and get signed up. Let's look at the records thus far on the season. <sighs> Last week was uh, was pretty good. Pretty good. So I went 5-2-1. Kyle went 3-2. and two. Parker went 3-4-1. and one. Overall, on the season, because I'm sure that that's what you guys are very interested in, I am sitting at 58 picks, 30 wins, 25 losses, 3 pushes. Kyle, just absolutely killing it. 42 picks. He's got 26 wins and 16 losses. Parker, 69 picks. Got 32 wins, 34 losses, and 3 pushes. Overall, 88-75-6, and six, and that is profitable. That is what we're looking for here. We want to be able to make you guys some money. So, uh, with that said, let's go ahead and dive into the first game on the board. And in most seasons, this would be a monster matchup. Uh, This year, it's kind of just tossed off on the side. It's a 3.30 p.m. Eastern time kick. Florida State, the Seminoles head to Death Valley, uh, whichever Death Valley you would like to call it, but Clemson, South Carolina. The Tigers are a a 9.5-point favorite at home Total of 47 and a half. They did not play last year. Of course, COVID-shortened season, all, all sorts of stuff going on with that. But in 2019, Clemson won this game 45 to 14. Clemson is 3-0 straight up and against the spread of their last three against Florida State. This was the team that Dabo wanted to get over uh, when he started building this juggernaut at Clemson. Florida State thus far on the year, 3-4 and four against the spread. Clemson 0-7 against the spread. Uh, Clemson. The under has hit in six of their seven games, partly because Clemson is one of only two Power 5 teams that has not hit the 20-point mark thus far on the season. The other is hapless Arizona, which I don't even know how that happens. I have no idea. Uh, But either way, you know, six unders so far on the season. Uh, Florida State, four unders in their seven games, so not too shabby. Florida State, number three in yards per rush in their last three games. They're averaging 6.9 yards per carry. And that has kind of been an issue for Clemson in their last couple of ball games. I, Parker, I'm going to start with you first here. Florida State seems to be on the rise, and Clemson appears to be on the demise. I, I don't know what to make of that based on strength of schedule, based on everything else. Clemson's defense is still killer. They still got some guys out, though. You don't know exactly what you're going to get, and they're not exactly consistent. What do you see in this matchup between the Seminoles and the Tigers? Last week, Clemson was able to get Pitt into a rock fight, uh, which is, I think, what they wanted with the defense. They threw a couple untimely uh, t- interceptions on offense and and, and uh, ended up losing that game. I think against Florida State, they'll be able to play more their style of game. The fact of the matter is Clemson's offense is just terrible. Just any way you cut it, it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. They have some serious issues. 123rd in EPA per, uh, per play on offense. They are 118th in the pass, 99th in the rush. Florida State... Um, under under Mike Norvell is a team where some of the ancillary things aren't going as well for them. They still got some issues on the offensive line, but they um, 
kind of in normal situations are are playing well. 11th in EPA per rush on offense, 66th in EPA uh, per pass on offense. So even if the results haven't been there, that's largely been not um, you know necessarily lining up 75 yards offense versus defense. A lot of that is kind of uh, you know the special teams and the turnovers and all that. So I think Florida State will be able to move the ball uh, relatively well, uh, you know, relatively well as anyone could do against Clemson. 10 points is a whole lot here for a Clemson offense that just absolutely rejects the concept of scoring. Um, and so I don't really know that I would put money. Uh, I guess it's 9.5 now. It was I like Florida State plus 10. I, I still like nine and a half here. Again, um, Florida State strength of schedule kind of matters. Will they be able to get up for this game? Home field advantage for Clemson and how good that defense is. But I don't expect a ton of points here uh, either side. And so nine and a half is just that's a lot. It's a lot of points. It, it definitely is. Uh, it, it seems like once Florida State fully went with Jordan Travis at quarterback, uh, they they got things rolling. And, and it takes a little while to get adjusted to Mike Norvell's offensive system. Uh, this is, you know, the middle of his second season. And, of course, last year was uh, was a COVID season where you did not get as much time in. But they they appear to be on the come up. Clemson has given up 160-plus rushing yards in their last two weeks. Uh, Kyle, I, I don't expect a lot of points here. 47.5 feels like this is maybe a, a preseason line that they just haven't fully adjusted. Uh, you kind of feel the same way? Yeah, I like the under here. And I see Stephen in the chat likes the under as well. So I'm taking the under in Florida State and Clemson. And I have to say, I, I love how Parker said they reject the notion of scoring. <laughs> Parker, Parker has a way with words. I love that one. Uh, Florida State defensively really has a solid success rate of uh, 38.49%, 27th best in the country. The Seminoles' big problem has been those explosive plays, 104th in defensive explosiveness. But can Clemson have those big plays on offense? They have just 10 plays of 30 yards or more in seven games, 126th out of 130 teams in the country in offensive explosiveness. You know, can they suddenly become explosive here? Uh, possibly, but I haven't seen anything that would make me you know, want to predict something like that. Florida State wants to run it early and often. 60.1% of their plays have been run so far this year. I think Florida State can move the ball here some, but it would surprise me quite a bit if uh, against this Clemson defensive front, they can get a lot of big plays and just move the ball very easily here because Clemson's defense is still really good. 10th in success rate on defense, 13th in rushing play success rate. In their regulation games against FBS opponents so far this year, Clemson's games have finished with totals of 13 points against Georgia, of course, 22 points, 42 points, 32 points, 31 points, and 45 points. And that was against, uh, 45 was against an excellent pit offense. And really, they did a pretty good job uh, keeping that game low scoring. So, um, you know, I recognize that Florida State plays fairly fast and they've had some fairly high scoring games, but until Clemson gets into one of those higher scoring games, uh, a key number of 47 and a half or above 47, which is a pretty common number in college football. Uh, I have to take the under here in a game like this. I can totally, totally agree with that. Uh, I am scared of Clemson right now because I, I just think at some point it's going to click at, for whatever reason. Um, but as of right now, like I'm, I'm going to stay away from it. Let's make it an official play for Kyle. He is going to roll the under 47 and a half in Clemson and Florida State, and and I see it. I mean, I absolutely see it. I have bet against Clemson uh, several times this year and, and have won all of them. Clemson, of course, is 0-7 against the spread on the season. Uh, that It looks like that might continue. This line just looks inflated. The total looks inflated. Um, 
of course, it'll be inflated until they actually break out. So, so we'll see what happens. I, I do fully agree with you, Kyle, on that one. Let's move to another ACC game. Boston College heads to Syracuse to the Carrier Dome, another 3.30 p.m. Eastern time game. Uh, Syracuse, a six-and-a-half-point favorite as of right now, and this line has gone up, up, up. The, uh, the Orange are playing significantly better than they started the season as. A uh, total of 50 on this game. Boston College won this game 16-13 to 13 last season. And, you know, BC 2-3 and three against the spread, 3-2 and two straight up their last five against Syracuse. No real betting trend to look at here. Uh, Boston College 4-3 and three against the spread thus far this season, but they appear to be getting worse. Syracuse 7-1 and one against the number thus far this season. Uh, this BC defense has fallen off. The last three games, they are giving up 5.7 yards per rush. Uh, they are giving up 6.5 yards per play in the last three games. The Syracuse offense has done a magnificent job of putting uh, running back Sean Tucker and quarterback Garrett Schrader uh, into like good positions to be successful. And Dino, I don't think he ever forgot how to be a good coach. I think sometimes the program and the things that go on inside the program can can fully bring a team down and that's really what it's been over the last couple of seasons for Babers and Syracuse and with all the injuries, all the people opting out, just everything that went on uh, in, in the COVID year and the season before that. They just haven't had a full allotment of players to be able to do anything with or implement any kind of system that they want to do. Uh, you know, we'll start off with Kyle on this one. Um, you know, Syracuse averaging 6.3 yards per rush over the last three games and 268 yards on the ground total. Uh, this is, I mean, they have figured out what they are good at and they continue to do it and they're daring people to stop them. Uh, give me your thoughts on Syracuse and Boston college. Yeah, we were talking about this a little bit that, you know, I hate that this line has moved up. It was Syracuse minus five, uh, went up to five and a half, six, now six and a half. Uh, fortunately we're below the key number of seven, obviously, but Boston college strength of schedule so far this year is 96th Syracuse 54th. Boston College yards per play margin, negative 0.13. That's 88th in the country. Syracuse is plus 1.16 yards per play, 29th in the country. Really impressive. Um, without for, without Phil Yurkovic, um, this Boston College offense really has been pretty bad. Grossell, a really big step down from Yurkovic, certainly. And, um, you know, they're averaging just 4.27 yards per play in the ACC when you kind of look at who they've played against, they haven't exactly played great defenses in that time. You know, last week they had 3.9 yards per play against a bad Louisville defense. So uh, no identity on offense for Boston College now. And, uh, you know, Syracuse is a well-coached defense that runs a unique scheme, really aggressive defense. They're ninth in the nation in tackles for loss. It would surprise me if Boston College can do much on offense in this game. So the question is, how much do we think Syracuse can score? Syracuse has been dropping a bunch of close contests that played pretty well, but then they pick up that nice road win against Virginia Tech. Um, clearly better than anybody expected this year for Syracuse. And Schrader's been a really big upgrade at quarterback. Um, I was looking through the stats. Schrader has ran for 137 yards or more in three of their last four games. So uh, it seems like they're trying to recreate the Eric Dungy offense. It's been working out pretty well here. Um, and Cuse is finally starting to get respect in this number. But I don't know if the market is still low enough on Boston College. I think Boston College has become a fade team. And uh, Syracuse still one of those teams that until they prove me wrong as far as uh, their kind of improvement on offense. And I will say their offensive line has really improved a lot from last year. 
Not to say that their offensive line is some big strength at this point, but last year it was so bad. You know, it just held them back really badly. Um, I think Syracuse laying the points here is a good play. Now, Parker, uh, what Kyle brought up about Dennis Grossell, I, I feel like when you first bring him in and he can have some success, uh, that's more based on the fact that you haven't seen this kid really on film. You don't know exactly what he can do. Now that we are, you know, more than midway through the season, is that something to look at with, hey, these these teams know exactly what he can do and they can shut him down. Uh, is that what we're looking at with Boston College and uh, in the way that they've kind of fallen off as of late? That's definitely a big factor in it. Um, it's not perfectly analogous to baseball where, you know, that random minor league pitcher comes up and he pitches the first two times through the order and you're like, wow, who is this guy? And next game he gives up 18 runs in the first um, where people have seen him and just kind of know what he's doing. So Definitely something like that. I do think that um, Boston College has one of the most interesting uh, symmetries in their strength of schedule. Awful first four games, uh, or awful teams in their first four games that they beat. You know, Colgate, UMass, Temple, Missouri, and that Missouri game was was close. Um, and at that point, I think I think I picked Missouri. I think we were still up on Missouri at that point. And so um, some some really bad teams that they beat. Um, I mean, they gave up twenty eight points to UMass. That's just not great. And then they played, you know, Clemson, NC State, Louisville. And, and, and Clemson was a little bit close, but NC State and Louisville were both decisive losses. They are fading in the sense of betting. I don't want to bet on them, but then in the sense of it just looks like they just don't have a lot left in the tank down the stretch. Um, Syracuse, I'm absolutely willing to uh, eat crow on. I think at the beginning of the season, I was talking about this is going to be the year Dino Baber says, man, I should have taken a job when I had the chance against Liberty. I, I specifically mentioned that the talent advantage wasn't that big. And in the trenches, I was very wrong. Uh, Syracuse has looked great um, relative to what we expected in the trenches there. And, and I like what they're able to do. The big key stats for me here are kind of twofold. One, Syracuse's uh, unadjusted EPA per rush is eighth in the nation. Boston College's defense is 32nd. But again, they've played very bad teams. And so I think that Syracuse will be able to rush. They're also really good on offense at finishing when they get quality possessions. They don't get quality possessions often, but they're averaging 4.5 points per echo. And so what that means is when they cross the 40, they're scoring touchdowns. They're finishing well. Uh, I think that'll be decisive in a game where Boston College's offense is 102nd in the pass, 77th in the rush, and 107th in points per echo. So Kyle said they're identity-less. I, I think they absolutely are. They're trying to rush the ball a lot, but if they're going to beat Syracuse, they're going to have to get something in the pass game. Syracuse's defense, 49th in the past this this week. So I have been impressed by Syracuse. Dino Babers, I personally apologize to you and your family for suggesting you should move. Uh, and and I think that I'm going to keep taking Syracuse until they, uh, like Kyle said, until they prove me wrong. I, I can get down with it. I mean, they are 7-1 and one against the number four, a reason. Let's go ahead and make it official. And we got two plays on it this week. Kyle and Parker both rolling with the orange, minus 6.5. It's that Carrier Dome magic. I can feel it coming this weekend. Uh, people still may be underestimating Syracuse just a little bit, but Syracuse minus 6.5, less than a touchdown. Both Kyle and Parker are going to ride with it. Uh, let me go ahead and remind everybody, we are not just on YouTube. I'm going to go ahead and tell you several times throughout this show, uh, we do we have this show on podcast as well. So once the show is done, uh, they'll edit the audio, all that good stuff, and they'll toss it up. You can get it over at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Pod, whatever it is. Whatever your favorite podcast app is, just go look for BetUS Football Show. And very easy. It's got the NFL feed and our feed. And, of course, if you like more sports other than just college football, we've got the BetUS NHL channel. We've got the NBA channel. We've got college basketball coming. We've got college football, of course, here, NFL, et cetera. 
all the sports that you like. Of course, our, our buddy Flash that handles soccer uh, as well. The Soccer Channel is massive, massive. They do a fantastic job on that. So go and check out all of the other ones as well. And, of course, make sure that you are subscribed right here as well and to our podcast. Let's jump on to another massive game here. And I don't know how I feel about it. The the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, or whatever they want to call it now. Uh, they I don't think they allow you to call it that. However, the game is now sponsored by Dos Equis, So... Uh, whatever, I guess, <laughs> Georgia and Florida playing in Jacksonville, Georgia, a 14 point favorite total of 51. This is another one of those neutral site games, much like red river, uh, that, you know, 50% of the stadium is, is one team. 50% is the other team. And, and I do like these games. Jacksonville always feels a little weird. Florida won this game 44 to 28 last season. Uh, but that Florida team was very, very different than this season. Georgia has uh, has won and covered three straight uh, before 2020. Like they they had kind of figured out the Stan Mullen team and, and everything, and then last year was just a disaster across the board. Georgia had a ton of injuries. Florida took advantage, and then after this game, Florida kind of tanked. I guess you could say towards the end of the season. Georgia five and two against the spread thus far this season. Florida three and four against the spread, and Florida. I cannot seem to figure this out. Uh, last year, Florida's worst game of the season, I think you could say, was the LSU game where, you know, it was the shoe game, and they were expected to win that by 24, 23, somewhere around there. I think that's what they are uh, what they were favored by. Um, but they lose that game, and then they come back and play maybe their best game of the season in a close loss to Alabama in the SEC championship game. Does history repeat itself? They play their worst game at LSU this season in a loss, and... Maybe they can rebound after a bye week and come back and face off against Georgia and maybe make something out of the game. Uh, Parker, I want to start with you first. I, the numbers on Florida are shocking, to say the least. They, they are a, a 90% post-game win expectancy in every game except for uh, the LSU game, and yet they have a 4-3 and three record. They lose this game to the number one team in the country, and they're going to be 4-4. Four and four. And this does not look like a four and four team. It's just mistakes have cost them over and over. Uh, what What are your thoughts on the Gators and uh, and the Bulldogs? Earlier this week, I was talking uh, with some folks on Twitter about who's the best uh, bad team and the worst good team. And I think both of them might be in the state of Florida, with Florida State being the best bad team and Florida might might be the worst good team. Um, the, the, their performance this season and how they've been able to keep games close really speaks to how uh, offensive upside is, is the driving force in college football right now. Um, they're 24th at offensive EPA, 24th against the pass, a little worse against the rush, even as they like to rush a lot more, 80th in early downs rush rate. Um, but this offense has a passing ceiling uh, that that is really, really high. Uh, unfortunately for them, Georgia is sixth against EPA per pass. One of the most, uh, excuse me, Georgia's sixth in EPA per pass offense, which is ridiculous. Georgia is first in everything on defense. They're first in EPA pass defense <laughs> there. So um, some really good, I think, um, back and forth that, that will – It'll come down to the passing game, which this feels like a game in the past. It's really come down to the rushing game. Um, I, I, I would lean towards Florida with 14 points here, but the fact that they, uh, you know, they keep things close. There are some questions about whether, you know, that second half against Alabama, what, what kind of signal can we get from what Alabama was doing on defense intentionally there? But um, Florida's defense gives up a lot of points for quality possession. 
um, and they're relatively susceptible against the rush. They're also 54th on early downs EPA, whereas Georgia is 11th. And so I do think that despite the fact that Georgia's defense is is the the marquee unit here, Georgia's offense will win this game for Florida. They'll be frustrating. Florida will score a little bit. Clearly the best offense Georgia has faced, but this is um, – easily the best defense Florida has has faced uh, uh, all season. So my number has this a little bit closer to 11. And, um, you know, uh, being inside, so I have it like 11 and a half, being inside a field goal with the, the 14 there is just makes me a little nervous. So I don't really lean one way, uh, or I lean Florida, but I don't have an official pick here just because Florida has demonstrated with their offensive upside that they're able to kind of go out and keep games close. And now, Kyle, I, I do look at this much the same way that Parker does. I, I don't know what to expect. I don't know when the mistakes are going to show up. Uh, a lot of people yelling, you got to have Anthony Richardson in the ballgame. You got to, you know, and if you look at it, Emory Jones has thrown an interception of 5% of his passes thus far this season, but AR 15, uh, 8% of his passes have been picked, and he's only thrown 37 passes thus far this season. If you go and look at the raw numbers, 18 of them have been inaccurate. That is not good. Now, he he does open things up because he's a better runner than Emory Jones. It, it opens up more things downfield. The question is, what's going to happen when he throws the ball downfield? So I don't know that it makes a whole lot of difference whether it's Anthony Richardson or Emory Jones. Uh, who knows which one actually gives you the better opportunity to win here? Uh, I don't know what to make of this Florida football team. Give me your thoughts, Kyle. Yeah, Gary, I think that um, Richardson is is really a weapon in the running game, but you're going to need to be able to throw it against Georgia at least some. This defensive line is so good. You know, we don't know if either of these Florida quarterbacks can avoid that turnover bugaboo, uh, and that's certainly a problem in a game like this. As far as Georgia's defense, uh, we always talk about how amazing they are, and, and we have to do it every single time. First in yards per play allowed, second in success rate allowed, 14 plays of 20 yards or more allowed in seven games. Wow, Missouri has given up 42. So uh, the other interesting stat about that one, Arkansas State, uh, we love talking about some Arkansas State defense or the lack thereof. 17 plays allowed so far this year of 50 yards or more. And Georgia's, <laughs> Georgia's allowed 14 of 20 yards or more. So it just really says a lot. It says a lot about Arkansas State's defense, but it says a lot about Georgia's defense as well. Uh, can Florida stop the run enough? I think Georgia's going to run it often here. Uh, 63% of their plays have been running plays this year. And Florida's just 88th in rushing play success rate allowed. So I think Georgia can move the ball a little bit easier here than some people would think. Um, Florida has been very good yards per carry. Um, and offensively, I think they'll have some success. Georgia's defense not likely to give up many touchdowns. Both teams had a bye week coming into this game. I think Georgia wins this game. I would lean toward the under if I had to bet something here. That totally makes sense. I, when I first looked at this and I saw, okay, it's Georgia's defense heading against Emory Jones or Anthony Richardson, and they are going to make them throw the football, I see a very big possibility for defensive points on the Georgia side. However, on the Florida side, there are enough athletes, there are things that Dan Mullen can scheme up to keep this game close. Uh, I don't feel great one way or the other. None of us has an official play on this game. Uh, I would lean the under as well because I don't believe that Florida will be able to score a lot, and I don't think that Georgia's offense is suited to score a lot. Once they get a lead, if it is a big lead, they are going to sit on it, and I fully expect that to happen in this game. So this one's going to be fun to watch, uh, but no official play from us. Go ahead and leave your picks in the comments. We want to know which way you lean 
maybe, you know, before Saturday's game kicks off, maybe you in the comments can give us some kind of a reason to lean one way or the other. Maybe we'll be playing it uh, ourselves. And we always jump into the comments as well. So make sure that you jump in there with that pick. Next game on the board. And this is one of uh, my my favorite things about our BetUS College Football Show here. UTEP heading to Florida Atlantic. You are not going to find a whole lot of college football shows that are willing to discuss UTEP and FAU. And yet here we are. The Owls are a 10.5 point favorite at home, juiced at minus 115. Total of 47.5 here. Uh, these two teams have only played twice in 2015, 2016. They both won uh, one of those. So uh, one and one for each. Utah 5 and 2 against the spread this season. Florida Atlantic 4 2 and 1 against the spread this season. I, uh, you, you start looking at some of these numbers, and just the raw numbers will surprise you with Dana DeMel's team and what they're doing at UTEP. UTEP is 6-1 and one straight up on the season. They've got a monster matchup next week against UTSA. But going on the road, this is a, a pretty big spot. Uh, net available yards, UTEP is number 27, Florida Atlantic number 59. Uh, net points per drive, UTEP number 30, Florida Atlantic number 55. Uh, you know, I'm going to start off with, with you, Kyle. The minors have been shocking but the strength of schedule is a bit of a concern, right? I, I don't know how much to take from these raw data numbers, but they are doing what you're supposed to do when you play against bad teams, and that is shut them down. And they have certainly done that. What, uh, what are your thoughts on the Miners and the Owls here? Yeah, I've seen some of the movement on the internet uh, for college game day to go to UTSA and UTEP. Uh, that'd be a lot of fun. I, I have a feeling that, you know, if UTEP loses a game like this, that would pretty much shut that down, obviously. Yes. So um, kind of hoping UTEP wins this game outright, number one, so that Gary's pick wins here. And number <laughs> two, because I'd love to see that discussion uh, further itself. Um, that, could is, you imagine, let me interrupt you, could you imagine game day in El Paso? It'd be amazing. Oh, it'd my be amazing. gosh. I, I love it. Love it. Anyway, continue. Uh, <laughs> no, I would love that. And And Honestly, guys, you know, UTEP has a pretty good fan base considering how poorly they've played for a long time now. So, you know, I'm really happy for them to be at six and one. Uh, bowl eligible is pretty crazy. Five and two against the spread. UTEP quietly has two really good wide receivers, Jacob Cowing, Justin Garrett. Very good. Um, they don't have a tremendous quarterback, but he's good enough to get the ball out there to them. Florida Atlantic is ninth in QBR allowed uh, defensively and ninth in the nation in PFF's coverage grade. So can UTEP run the ball on them? I think is the biggest key here as to whether they cover UTEP 15th in yards per play allowed this year. Um, clearly, this is going to get worse as they play better offenses. I don't think anybody actually think UTEP has the, the 15th best defense in the country. Um, and I would say Florida Atlantic is the best offense they've played so far this year, because if you look at UTEP's schedule, they really haven't played a good offense yet. Gary, I want to take UTEP here, but that strength of schedule has me me nervous on this one. It's not quite enough points for me. Uh, this line has come down a bit, too. And and uh, I lean toward UTEP here, um, thinking this would be a fairly low-scoring game, and this is quite a few points. But, you know, that strength of schedule is just so weak that it keeps me off. It, it does make sense. I see where you're coming from. Neither one of these teams has beaten a team that's ranked in the top 100 uh, however, you know, Florida Atlantic has played at least three of them at the side of this that I like is the UTEP defense has been absolutely incredible. Uh, they've only given up 4.1 yards per play in their last three games, 2.1 yards per run, uh, Florida Atlantic, their wins were against the number 124, 
number 123, and number 122 defensive efficiency teams in the country. UTEP's defense, number 56. That's that's not bad. Like, And that's, of course, weighted and, and all that good stuff. Parker, uh, how do you even begin to opponent adjust when the majority of the teams on your schedule are are you know not top 100 they're they're in the bottom 30 how does that even work yeah so i mean it, you know over the course of the season a team like utep and fau are going to have played fairly similar schedules and so that's going to um that's going to wash out but you're right here there is some asymmetry and and again what do good teams do? They beat up on bad teams. UTEP has has largely done that, and their offense and defense have looked really balanced. They're 10th overall in EPA per play margin, 50th on offense, 8th on defense. I do like their passing upside. Jacob Cowling, of course, a great wide receiver, and Gavin Hardison is 8th in unadjusted total EPA among quarterbacks this season. So they clearly can move the ball. One thing that Florida Atlantic has been able to do, we talked about Max B from uh, Florida International last week. Uh, what Florida... Atlantic has been able to do is frustrate passing offenses. Well, they're 32nd in EPA per pass and I, uh, on defense. And, and I think that will be a way that they will kind of frustrate, um, UTEP's offense. I had this number, uh, as UTEP covering, but, but FAU winning, um, by about a touchdown. And it really just comes down to, do I think that Florida Atlantic secondary is legit enough to stop cowling downfield? Because that's where UTEP is going to get a lot of their production on the other side of the ball. Florida Atlantic is generally uninspiring, but their, their passing offense is at least competent and they're, um, interesting on that side. So they've shown that they can score their 22nd in points per quality opportunity. So they can draw things up when they get close to the goal line and make it count. Um, the question will just be, can Florida state's passing secondary, um, kind of frustrate the, the minors with what they're trying to do here. That's, uh, that schedule asymmetry is why I'm passing. Um, the number is big. The model doesn't quite match that. And there's uncertainty on both sides. So um, definitely a good information point. Definitely would be fun to have game day in UTEP. Uh, but I, I do think that this will be um, uh, a UTEP cover with, with high uncertainty bars. That's, it, it will be a volatile football game because we don't know exactly what to expect from either side on this. Uh, my line on this was actually Florida Atlantic minus six. Uh, it opened at 12. I immediately hit it at 12. I still like it at 10 and a half here. So I'm going to make it an official play. So I'm rolling with UTEP plus 10 and a half here. Just seems like too many points. Again, another team that is undervalued as of right now. FAU was supposed to be better than they are, and uh, and they have not shown it so far this season. Let me go ahead and remind everybody. Like the video for us. I already told you once, and I'm going to tell you again multiple times, uh, but there are more people watching than have liked the video, and, and that math just does not add up to me. So go ahead and like the video for us. Make sure you are subscribed. Hit that notification bell so you know when we go live. If you have not already, uh, once this show is done, go back and watch the Wednesday show. We do Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern time. We do Thursdays at 12 p.m. Eastern time. But the Wednesday show is the early slate, and the Thursday show is the afternoon and evening slate. So we are covering a whole swath of games. And so make sure and watch both of these videos. Uh, of course, jump into the Q&A. Uh, we've got a lot of people that are in the chat right now. Brad, uh, P. Matt something or other. <laughs> I get some of these names I can't figure out. Jerry, Steven, etc. I've got a ton of questions already that, that people want uh, us to discuss. Fresno State, uh, San Diego State, Kentucky, Mississippi State, Charlotte, Western Kentucky, etc. We are going to hit these at the end of the show in a Q&A. So go ahead and knock that out. And again, reminder, this show is in podcast form. Go over to your favorite podcast app. Make sure and subscribe to it so that you can listen to the audio version as well. We know not everybody gets to just sit and watch a video. Uh, I know that you would prefer 
to see our smiling faces. But you can also listen to our sultry voices as well by uh, subscribing to the podcast. All right, let's jump into the next game. We're going to move over to the Pac-12 here. Oregon State heading to Cal, and Cal is a one-and-a-half-point home dog, and Oregon State as the favorite, juiced at minus 115. The total is 55-and-a-half. This, uh, this is a fun, interesting ball game. Cal lost this game last year, 31-27. to So Oregon State, of course, the winner. Uh, Tristan uh, Gabia uh, got the game winner with 430 left in that game. Oregon State has won and covered two straight against Cal. So Jonathan Smith is starting to figure out Justin Wilcox's defense a little bit. Oregon State 5-2 and two against the spread this year, and Cal 4-3 and three against the spread this year. Both are performing, you know, pretty well, pretty well. Net points per drive here, Oregon State number 50, Cal is number 81. The Cal offense has figured some things out over the last few weeks, but they're still not great. It just, I cannot figure out some games they can't do anything, some games they can do a lot. Uh, I want to start off with Parker on this one. Um, you know, Cal has reached the red zone seven times in the last three games, and they've only scored three touchdowns. Uh, they have kicked two field goals, but that's that's two drives that they got into the red zone that they did not put up any points. You are going to have to score to be able to hang with Oregon State, even at home, I believe. Uh, what are your thoughts on on the Beavers and, uh, and Cal? This game is interesting to me, mostly for the standpoint that you have two teams that are generally uh similar in in overall quality i think i obviously oregon state i had I, I give an edge to here but oregon state's offense is 13th their defense is 80th cal's offense is 66 their defense is 57 so it's kind of boom and bust on one side and consistency on the other the only thing cal's offense does well is rush the ball uh oregon state's been 92nd in epa per rush on defense and so i don't know if they'll be able to stop number four for cal uh, rushing the ball. Uh, on the flip side, of course, Oregon State, fifth in EPA per rush. They're 120th in early downs rush rate. They want to rush the ball. Cal is a very bad rush defense, 103rd in EPA per play. Um, I have this one as a toss-up just because the passing game is a little bit um, Cal's passing defense is, is, is better than their overall unit. Um, and so I, I, I honestly, this is, this is a pick for me. This is, this is razor thin. It does make sense. Uh, one number that I do want to look at, Cal, I guess the key here would be that Cal needs to make sure and get a lead early in this game. Uh, when they are playing from behind, look, their fourth down rate is awful in their last three games. Or, or no, on the season, they're, they're five out of 17, 29% uh, conversion rate on fourth down. That ain't going to cut it. Um, you know, the Bears are only giving up 3.7 yards per rush in their last three games. Oregon State is uh, is averaging 6.62 yards per rush, 283 yards per game rushing versus Pac-12 teams. They put a whipping on Utah at the line of scrimmage last week, and I did not see that coming. I kind of expect that to carry over this week. I am going to make it an official play here. I am rolling with Oregon State minus one and a half. My line on this was actually Oregon State minus six. Uh, the fact that I've got that many points. Now, does the line maybe stink a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, because normally I don't see that much uh, of an advantage, but I think Oregon State is a fantastic football team, and Jonathan Smith is a coach that I think has figured out what he can and cannot do against Justin Wilcox's team. So I'm uh, I'm all in on the Beavers. Let's uh, let's go Oregon State. Moving on, what a fantastic AAC game this is. SMU heading to Houston, and Houston. It, it, well, it, nobody's favored in this one. I, I thought Houston was favored by one at one point, but uh, but it is a pick'em currently. 
Total of 62 here. SMU won the last meeting in 2019. Uh, they did not play last year, but SMU won 34-31. to 31. SMU 3-1 and one straight up, 2-2 two and two against the spread, their last four against Houston. And there's some saltiness in this rivalry. Uh, I don't remember if it was Houston players or SMU. Somebody took the other team's jerseys and like put them in urinals or something. It, it some some crazy stuff that went on between these two teams for whatever reason. SMU five and two against the spread this year. Houston four and three. Um, you know, I, Houston defense is is just not being talked about enough this season. Their defense has been lights out, and and I don't know what to make of it. I, I'm going to start off with you, Kyle, on this one. I don't. Normally, a Dana Holgerson team, we would be talking about offense. And in this situation, this season, their defense has been lights out. What are your thoughts uh, on Houston and SMU? Houston quietly ranks 12th in the nation in yards per play allowed, 5th in success rate on defense. And uh, that surprises me some. I knew they were a good defense. I didn't know they were this good uh, as I was looking at this game. I will say um, Tanner Mordecai. And the SMU offense, a big challenge for them. I do think SMU is going to score some points here. Obviously, so the odds makers based on the total. Um, Houston has been at least somewhat fortunate so far this year. Plus six turnover margin this year. Five fumbles, only lost one of them. Um, They've somehow forced 16 fumbles this year. Obviously, there's some talent to that. Uh, Really aggressive defense. They've allowed seven touchdowns on 15 trips into the red zone. SMU's defense gives up a lot of big plays. So the question is, can Houston with Clayton Toon and company get some of those big plays? SMU has given up 39 plays of 20 yards or more. They're actually 24th in success rate on defense, but 124th in explosiveness allowed. Um, You know, I give SMU the coaching advantage here in this one a little bit. I like Dykes a little bit better than Holgerson. Um, SMU, the much better offense. Houston, the much better defense. I think this game goes right down to the wire. I think you guys have stronger opinions than I do. I think if I had to pick this game, I'd probably take SMU, but I'm going to pass here. SMU is 1-4 and four against the spread their last five on the road, but at the same time, Houston 1-4 and four against the spread at home in their last five. Uh, so that, of course, not good. Uh, either way, like I, I think maybe I'm a little biased. I will go ahead and admit that on this show. Uh, Parker, I love defense. I got really love defense, and I feel like SMU is a little bit sporadic. Um, sometimes they, they look fantastic, and sometimes they don't. Uh, Houston's defense, I think, is stable, and you know what you're going to get every single week. Uh, you know, Parker, give me, give me your thoughts on this one. Yes, so normally, Gary, I'm the exact opposite. I'm favoring the the better offense here, but I have started this season really getting into kind of these um, complementary matchups and how often are you rushing versus how often are you passing and and how good are you at both? Um, SMU is is very, very balanced, 50.7% early downs rush rate. And and you, Ulysses Bentley is a, is a very good running back. He'll be on an NFL roster, I think. Um, but there's a huge asymmetry in SMU's offense. So they're 15th in EPA per play overall, but they're fifth against the pass, 76, or 50, ah, bah, bah, fifth in the pass, 67, 77th in the, uh, in the rush. So some huge asymmetry there in what their rushing game has been able to do situationally. And the two things that I really like with a team like SMU that is going to try and take some of these big shots. One, Houston's defense is fifth in EPA per pass. Two, Houston's defense is uh, first in the nation on third and fourth down success allowed. And so they, um, you know, a lot of times you see an asymmetry there, you think, oh, it's good for the offense. They'll be able to take some shots and then kind of clean up on late downs. Houston's not allowing that either way there. So that to me is going to be the biggest matchup. Um, SMU has, um, 
looked good and their offense has played well. But again, if if they can't be balanced and, and uh, Houston doesn't have to commit to stopping the run, I think that they'll be able to keep an extra defender back and really frustrate this passing offense. On the flip side, when I look at Houston's offense versus SMU's defense, SMU's pass defense, 105th in the nation. Not very good at all. And Clayton Toon is certainly no... Um, you know, he's no he's no Cinderella. He's no he's no prom queen, but he's a fine quarterback. And I think that the offense will be good enough to score and the defense will be frustrating enough to kind of move around. One good news uh, thing for Houston, SMU's defense is probably the worst on early downs of anyone they've played this season. You saw what, for instance, Austin Kendall at Louisiana Tech uh, could do against SMU in the pass game. And I think that Houston, with this solid defense, will be able to kind of expand their pass game. Uh, and, and take a couple more shots on early downs than they have been in the past. Uh, ultimately, the third and fourth downs on both sides of the ball are really interesting to me because SMU is good on offense on third and fourth down. Houston's very good. Uh, and then on the flip side, Houston 42nd uh, in offense on third and fourth downs and SMU's defense 20th. Um, I think this game will be won by who can extend drives and give themselves more opportunities to take shots. That being said, um, I really like Houston's pass defense against SMU's pass offense, and that's why this is a pick 'em. I'm, I'm going to go with Houston here at home, wearing I think all all black uniforms too. So uh, yes, a lot, yes, a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm excited about that. I'm going to do the same as you. I I fully buy into Houston. They're giving up only 2.0 yards per rush uh, over the last three, only 4.3 yards per play over the last three games. SMU's offense uh, over the last three is actually down uh, from their season total in yards per play, uh, yards per rush, yards per pass over the last three. So their their offense is starting to slow down, and I, I think Houston can catch them here. Uh, not as much talk about this game as I feel like there should be. I fully trust Houston here. So let's go ahead and make it official. We got two plays on it, Parker and myself. We are going to ride with the Cougars minus nothing. It's a pick em. Let's go and get it. All you got to do is win the ball game. It sounds easier than it is, but, uh, but yeah, just win, just win and get us a win here. All right. We're going to move to the sec here. Ole Miss heads to Auburn and the Tigers are a three point favorite at home, juiced at minus one Oh five total of 66 and Auburn won this game last year, 35 to 28. And some might say that Ole Miss got jobbed by the referees in that game. I might not be one of those people that says that, but you can't deny the fact that there was a blown call towards the end of that ballgame. So, uh, either way, Auburn has won five straight in this uh, series. They are 3-1-1 one, and one against the spread. Overall, the last 10, they are 8-2 and two straight up, 6-2-2 two, and two against the spread against Ole Miss. Uh, so far on the season, Ole Miss 4-2-1 and one against the number. Auburn 4-3 and three against the number. Auburn has, has impressed this season. I did not expect much from this team, but they are playing a lot better than I ever anticipated. Um... Net points per drive here, Ole Miss number 21, Auburn number 46, uh, Auburn number five in giving up quarterback sacks this season. They are only giving up uh, a sack on 2.59% of their plays. However, on the other side, Ole Miss gives up 9.09, or not gives up, excuse me, they get sacks on 9.09% of dropbacks. That's pretty good. I mean, that's that's a, a high, high average. I don't know which one wins out here. I will tell you this. Ole Miss has been through an absolute gauntlet. I don't know that they are built to be able to. I don't know that they've got the depth here. Kyle, let's start off with you on this one. Ole Miss is a lot of fun. And their defense, while the numbers have been awful, when you show up on game day, their defense has been able to do some things that that can at least get the offense the ball back. I, 
I don't know that I trust them in this spot, a night game at Jordan-Hare. Kyle, what are your thoughts on the Tigers and the Rebels here? Yeah, my thoughts here, um, Ole Miss has had so many injuries. It's really slowed this team down a lot. You know, there are at least five guys who were starters at the beginning of the season out uh, for Ole Miss that are key guys. Ole Miss star center Ben Brown out for the season, I think, is a bigger injury than most people would uh, would want to admit. This was been a, This has been a really good offensive line. Ole Miss has not been just good throwing the football. They've been really good running the football. And Ole Miss has scored just 31 points. I say that in quotes because 31 (laughs) points is obviously uh, pretty good. But they've only scored 31 points in their last couple games. And I think to be fair, you know, Tennessee, mediocre defense. It was a really fast-paced game. 31 points, a bit disappointing. And then LSU, a bad defense, only 31 points. I know they let off the gas a little bit in that game. But certainly Ole Miss hasn't quite been what they were before. Auburn probably runs the football a lot here. I think Bigsby has a lot of success against an Ole Miss defense that's 119th in rushing play success rate allowed. Uh, Bo Nix, is his resurgence real? Um, I'm kind of hesitant to answer that question. Um, I, you know, I've seen him go back and forth so many times. Uh, and his Ole Miss defense, though, is one of the weaker defenses in the SEC. I could see him having some success here, especially after Bigsby runs the ball. I want to like Ole Miss in this game, and uh, you know my season win total. I have a season win total under on Auburn at under seven and a half, and some of it on under seven. I think I'm in trouble on that one, guys. Auburn is a lot better than I thought they were going to be. Um, much better defense and the healthier team, so I certainly lean Auburn in this game. That that does make sense. Uh, and and while you said that you would like for Ole Miss to get this win. I would like for them to win it just so that next game's or next weekend's game is much bigger because Hugh Freeze and Liberty are coming into Oxford next week, and the spectacle there is going to be fantastic, just absolutely fantastic, especially if Ole Miss uh, comes in with only one loss on the season. That would be much better than them coming off of a loss heading into it. But either way, I digress. Uh, Parker, let's uh, let's talk about some of this. Uh, Ole Miss, number 130 in the country. That is dead last in penalties. Uh, Ole Miss, for whatever reason, with a bad defense and playing sloppy, they only have the one loss on the season. They find a way to get wins. Auburn is a team that uh, allows people to find ways to get wins sometimes, or at least they have been historically. Now, under Brian Harson, I don't know if that changes anything. Of course, there are some distractions going on at Auburn this week. There's talk of maybe some suspensions, uh, but nothing concrete. We don't know what's going on with that. Uh, there's talk about Brian Harson and a certain deadline that will be in December. None of that necessarily matters this week. But on the other side, we do know that there are magic things that happen in Jordan-Hare Stadium at night uh, against SEC competition for whatever reason. Who knows how they actually happen? Uh, but give me your thoughts here on, on the Tigers and the Rebels because this on, on paper, this looks like a fantastic football game. I actually have this as being a little uh, less exciting because uh, it's just going to be I have it. I have it towards Auburn a little bit more. Um, I do think that there is a lot to say for Ole Miss having played a, a really rough schedule for Ole Miss having some injuries for Ole Miss, not necessarily having as much depth as everyone else in the SEC and and kind of this running out of steam idea. Um, you remember, um, you know, like in the in the aughts like 2000 to 2010 college football was basically just like the five stars won the 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 blue bloods won because they had five stars at every position right and college football is kind of like that now but it's also true that um if you 
get a lot of injuries, then you've got guys who are only playing special teams that are playing special teams and they're playing defense. And, um, and that's just a lot of fatigue, especially when you're playing these emotional close games like Ole Miss has been playing. So I think there's definitely something there. What I really like about this matchup for uh, Auburn is that Auburn's defense is 106th in passing success rate allowed, right? That's very bad. But they're only 64th in EPA per pass. So what that tells me is that Auburn is keeping things in front of them. And that's how you beat a Lane Kiffin team, right? You don't let him throw the clipboard and get a guy downfield um, uncovered. So I think that Auburn will be able to kind of take the explosive top off of this Ole Miss um, passing ceiling. And uh, I think their defense matches up well in the run game. On the flip side for the offense, I do think they're, they are going to run the ball a lot. I do think that they are going to be able to brutalize this Ole Miss front, given that it's um, – you know, they have some issues with uh, being hurt and they're, you know, 116th uh, in EPA per rush. They're 119th in rushing success rate. So big rushing game for the off, uh, Auburn offense for me in this uh, in this one. It is a night game. And Auburn, again, on, on third and fourth downs, 26th in the nation on offense, whereas Ole Miss defense is 76th. So I'm leaning Auburn here. I think I'm going to regret it. I don't know. I never want to bet on Auburn, <laughs> but this one just seems like such a matchup. I've actually got this Auburn by nine and a half. So um, I'm going to take the three points, and I'm going to I'm going to root for a little magic on uh, Saturday night. Uh, well, Jordan here, like I said, is known for the magic. So I uh, I won't ride with you, but we will go ahead and make it an official play for you. Uh, so let's go ahead and do that. Parker is riding with Auburn minus three here. Uh, official official pick for the Bet US College Football Show. I you know I can't disagree with it. I do think that Ole Miss, with all the injuries and the gauntlet that they've played. Uh, you gotta be, you gotta be getting a little tired at this point, I would imagine. Uh, but who knows? It is a Lane Kiffin team. You never know what's going to happen in games like this, especially night games in the SEC. So we will sit back and we will, we will root for Parker's pick to be correct on this one. We've got two more. Go ahead and remind everybody we've got uh, way more people watching than have actually liked the video. So go ahead and click that video for us, or click the like for us, excuse me, and make sure that you are subscribed not only on YouTube but also on the podcast as well. Look for the Bet US Football Show on any of your favorite podcast apps. Uh, with that said, let's jump into a massive, massive brand name game. Penn State heading to Columbus, heading over to the Horseshoe. Not like James Franklin actually said. He said they were going to the Big House. That would be Michigan. Not right. Uh, and they're not playing Illinois this week. They played them last week. Now they're playing Ohio State for anybody that catches that reference. Uh, Penn State uh, got beat by Ohio State last week or last year, excuse me, 38 to 25. Uh, before 2020, Penn State was 4-0 and against the spread in their last four against Ohio State. Did not cover last year as a 10-point dog. Penn State 4-3 and against the number thus far this year. The unders have hit five out of seven games for Penn State. Ohio State 4-2-1 and against the spread, and the overs have hit five out of seven for Ohio State. Uh, they are putting up points in droves, just absolute droves. Penn State's offense, when Sean Clifford is healthy, is way different than Penn State's offense when he is not. I, <laughs> I, don't, know, I, I don't know how Penn State scores in this game. Ohio State, against the run, is actually a really good football team. Like, their defense is good against the run. The secondary is their weakness. And if Clifford's throwing shoulder is not healthy in this game, you have nobody on that sideline that can throw and take advantage of Ohio State's weakness on defense. As far as Ohio State's offense, there is no weakness on that unit. 
They have got stars lined up across the board. C.J. Stroud has figured it out between the ears and everything else. They are in sync so far uh, this season. And I, I don't know. I mean, the line looks crazy. 18 and a half with a total of 60 and a half. I, I just, I, guys, Parker, I'm going to start with you on this. I feel like the line is inflated because of the Penn State loss to Illinois last week. However, I also am not ruling out that Ohio State could win this by, you know, four or five touchdowns. Like, I don't know how Penn State scores here. Parker, give me, give me your thoughts on the Nittany Lions and, uh, and the Buckeyes here. And a lot of this is um, really does rest on Clifford because I think that Penn State's offense is, is very good and has a good downfield threat. <clears throat> Excuse me. When uh, when Clifford is healthy and can throw, like you said, Jahan Dotson, the Penn State receiver, is is very very good and should certainly be able to mess with these Ohio State um, secondary, who who is 72nd in EPA per pass allowed, even given the fact that they've been playing some some pretty bad teams as they've resurged as of late. Um, I think that nothing nothing scares me off this bet more than looking at kind of the first half and the second uh, half of the Iowa game for Penn State when Clifford went out. When Clifford went in, they were up 17-3. They were moving the ball. The defense was messing with Spencer Petras. Um, Sean Clifford, 92.6 QBR. He goes out to Con Robertson, comes in 7 for 21, 1.6 yards per pass, and uh, 22.4 QBR in that game. So the uncertainty about Clifford means I'm, I'm not going to bet this. Um and I do think that Iowa St- or Ohio State should win comfortably. You know, they're first in offense by a bigger margin than Georgia is first in defense uh, this season. So really, really putting things together with C.J. Stroud. But I do think that the, the, the uncertainty with Clifford and the fact that if Ohio State wants to, any given time, they can just win a rivalry game by 100. I don't understand it. I can't quantify it. But they can just do it. Um, and so I, I certainly don't think you'd make money betting on Penn State here, but that 19 points is a lot in a rivalry game, even if it is at home and there are some normative commitments uh, on the Penn State side that may make things a little less focused. Um, if 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 Penn State can win this game, it'll be their passing defense, their third in EPA per pass compared to Ohio State's second in EPA per pass. If they can stop the downfield stuff, keep everyone in front of them, make Ohio State have to go consistently um, and, and move the ball uh, without chunk plays, that'll slow them down enough that then Penn State can try and take advantage of the fact that Ohio State is 86th in passing success rate allowed. I don't know that that's going to happen. Um, I would actually lean towards uh, lean towards an under here. Again, I don't know that I would bet it, but looking at my numbers, Ohio State will score comfortably. I think they'll be in the driver's seat. I don't know if Penn State, uh, being injured as they are, can, can score enough to, to kind of hit that total. And that's exactly how I feel about this. I don't know that Penn State can score. That's the biggest problem. Now, Kyle, on this one, I, again, the number is just massive. You know, Ohio State, an 18 and a half point favorite. If I'm Travion Henderson, I am absolutely just gearing up. I'm ready to roll. If I, if I see what I saw last week when Penn State gave up 357 yards on the ground to Illinois, I, I think that Ohio State's offensive line can get a push here and can bust some holes open so that he can go crazy. Travion Henderson is averaging 8.77 yards per play, like per carry, uh, so far this year. He's got 11 touchdowns. I, I mean, I, I think he could have a massive, massive day. Uh, Mayan Williams, I believe, is back in the fold. He's, you know, it, it, this rushing game is going to be awesome, and if they are having to focus so much on the rushing game, you know that's going to leave some spots open for uh, Chris Olave in that bunch in the secondary. So I... I don't know what Penn State can do here 
to keep this game close, I would imagine it, it just this might be the cynic in me. This might be, you know, me conspiracy theorying a little bit. But I would imagine James Franklin has been working on this game for a while, and maybe that's why they looked so poor against Illinois. I, but if you just look on paper, I don't know how Penn State stays in this game. What are your thoughts, Kyle? So being a Buckeye fan, I'm going to start out with the negative here on Ohio State. I think Ohio State's defense, um, their improvement is probably overstated at this point. Because if you go back and look at who they played against recently, I'll start at Akron. You know, I mean, they give up almost nothing to Akron. You know, it's Akron. And then Rutgers, Maryland without uh, key guys on offense, and then Indiana. Um, and Indiana with their third and fourth string quarterback. So Ohio State's defense, while I do think they're probably improved from the the uh, coaching change on defense, or at least who's calling the plays on defense. I don't think that we should trust Ohio State's defense once they come up against good offenses. And as far as me, I don't have a bet on this game. I kind of hope this game's low scoring so that then we can take Ohio State overs in the future because I think Ohio State can score a lot of points on just about everybody. And I think Ohio State's going to give up quite a few points um, the rest of the season when they play some pretty good offenses. Um, This Penn State run defense... Uh, as Gary talked about last week, I mean, they have been really disappointing. 76th in rushing play success rate allowed. Ohio State averaging 6.17 yards per carry. I don't think Penn State's going to be able to stop Travion Henderson. And Mayan Williams is pretty good, too. Um, you know, quick tempo from both teams. So I'd be cautious about betting the under because I'm afraid of how many points Ohio State could score in this one. Um the question is, like you guys said, if if Clifford can throw the ball here, because I don't think Penn State has a lot of success running the football. And really, Ohio State has the best offense in the country. Um, Stroud looks tremendous. Henderson's tremendous. The, the offensive line, the wide receivers, there is no weakness for Ohio State offensively. 28 plays of 20 yards or more in their four Big Ten games. So seven plays of 20 yards or more per game in the Big Ten. That's tremendous stuff really explosive offense. So for Penn State to have any chance, as Parker said, they have to not give up those big chunk plays. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. We we don't have a play on this game. I'll go ahead and tell you that. Uh it looks like Ohio State should run away with it, but this line is inflated. If this game had been played last week, Ohio State likely would have been about a 13 point favorite. Uh, we're adding like five points here, and I still don't know if it's enough for Penn State based on their current uh, health situation with their quarterback. Uh, so let's, you know, we'll move off of that, but go ahead and jump into the comments with your pick here. Uh, Jerry jumped in. He said Ohio State schedule will catch up with them. Their last five games will be a huge revelation. Can't believe they are still ranked ahead of the team that beat them. Uh, and there's a lot that goes into rankings and all that kind of stuff, but but we don't really pay attention to AP rankings and whatnot around here. Um there are, you know, several people. Bruce jumped in. I think Ohio State, but 18 and a half might be a bit too much. That's kind of the way that we feel. So there's not a whole lot of value on the line currently. Uh, so we're we're not going to touch it. We're going to let you guys tell us which way you're going to roll with it. So jump into the comments, jump into the chat, etc. We've got one more, and then we're going to do the Q and A. North Carolina heading to Notre Dame. Notre Dame, a three and a half point favorite at home. Total of 62 and a half. Notre Dame won this game last year, 31 to 17. North Carolina is coming off of a bye, uh, which uh, the offensive coordinator, Phil Longo, said it absolutely did wonders for their young receivers. Uh, he thinks that they are going to come out and look really, really good this week. At North Carolina, 3-4 and four against the number thus far this year. At Notre Dame, 4-3 and three against the spread. North Carolina's lowest passing yards games were their last two games. Uh, now, you've also got Kyle Hamilton, 
the star safety out for Notre Dame. He's the best player on either team. I mean, I think he's a top five NFL draft pick, uh, depending on how much they value safeties. But he is unbelievable for that secondary. I think Notre Dame is still a good football team without him. But without him in the secondary, that could leave some holes for Josh Downs and, and Sam Howell in that bunch. Kyle, let's start off with you here. Notre Dame scares me a little bit each and every week because I don't know which version of them is going to show up. They looked better coming out of the bye week against USC because it looked like they had a plan for their quarterbacks, right? At one point, it was just, right, this series we're going to put in Jack Cohen. This series we're going to put in Buckner. Oh, and here's Drew Pine. And we're going to, you know, it was just playing uh, uh, rotating chairs, right? Whoever could do something at that moment is what they were doing. Now it looks like they've got some kind of a plan for the offense. I, against North Carolina, this is another team that's highly volatile that I don't know week in and week out what I'm going to get. Give me give me your thoughts here, Kyle. Yeah, I'm going to be pretty quick on this one because I'm really torn on this game. I, I think Parker probably has more strong thoughts than I do on this one. But uh, North Carolina appeared kind of on that upward trajectory under Mac Brown last year, and that's gone away this year. It's, I think this has been a pretty big disappointment for North Carolina Sam Howe seems to be holding on to the football a little bit too long. 27 sacks uh, for North Carolina so far this year. The O-line, mediocre. Um, Notre Dame's allowed 25 sacks so far this year, too. So um, their offensive line's been a bit of a problem. No running game for Notre Dame. The difference is Notre Dame's been good defensively. Uh, North Carolina, not very good defensively. Um, Notre Dame, 32nd in defense success rate and 22nd in defensive explosiveness. Now, that is really important because North Carolina relies extremely heavily on explosive plays on offense. The question is, with Kyle Hamilton out, how much of a difference does that make on giving up those explosive plays? That's why I'm a bit worried about this game. The Fighting Iris have played a much tougher schedule than has uh, North Carolina. I got a pass on this one, so let's see what Parker likes in this one. Yeah, Parker, let's let's jump in with you. I, these two teams are so volatile. Uh, give me Give me some numbers here. <laughs> they are, and, and North Carolina lost a lot um, this offseason, and looks like they they just haven't been able to, um, you know, kind of overcome losing that much context. So, the the key matchups for he for me here are obviously Sam Howell versus the Notre Dame defense. Notre Dame tenth uh, in EPA per pass. Hamilton alters that some, but I think that this is a, an example. Uh, you know, Notre Dame is more talented at every position. Um, except quarterback, obviously, uh, than 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 North Carolina, and so I do think they'll be able to cover that. North Carolina does come off a bye. They played a pretty gross game against Miami um, on October 16th. And that, uh, I just don't think that they've looked good at all, even when they've beaten bad teams this season. So um, I like that Notre Dame will be able to do whatever they want against uh, the North Carolina offense consistently. And I do think that North, or uh, excuse me, Notre Dame is really looking to get physical here in the rush game. I feel like that's something that they've wanted to do a lot better this season and haven't. Um, they're 114th in EPA per rush. North Carolina's defense is only 68th in EPA per rush. So obviously I'm not counting on whoever's playing quarterback for Notre Dame to, to take advantage of North Carolina being 80th in EPA per pass. But I do think that Notre Dame's rush offense will look a lot better than it has against a, a team who's not very good defending the rush and has played a much weaker schedule than, than Notre Dame has. Um, Overall, the, the the biggest picture for me is that Notre Dame really makes people kick field goals, not touchdowns. Uh, 
12th in points per echo allowed, 23rd in net points per drive. And so I do think that Notre Dame will play a consistent boring game against UNC uh, and and be able to kind of stop them. I I could see a defensive touchdown here just given how explosive – North Carolina wants to be, that's going to introduce a lot of volatility for Notre Dame to take advantage of. So um, I like Notre Dame here. I like them at home uh, against a team that just hasn't looked consistently good at all this season. That that does make sense. One thing that I do wonder, Clark Lee and that Notre Dame defense last year were able to completely shut down North Carolina's offense when it looked like nobody else was able to do that last season. This season, of course, you've got Marcus Freeman, first-year defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. Uh, he was the defensive coordinator at Cincinnati before that, but does he look at? Does he maybe run some of the same stuff that Clark Lee was able to do against them last year when you had a better version of what Phil Longo was trying to do on offense? And and how much adapting does does Longo actually do in this spot? Uh, so I think it's going to be a very interesting game. Uh, let's go ahead and make it an official play for Parker. He is going to ride with the Notre Dame Fighting Irish covering the three and a half, and I can get down with it. Um, I mean, it makes makes total sense to me, especially after what we saw from these two last year. And this is a downgraded version, maybe of both teams, uh, but much more so North Carolina. Uh, so let's let's go ahead and jump into the Q&A. You guys go ahead and toss in your, your picks for the week and whatnot. We want to see that in the chat. We've got a bunch of guys uh, that have jumped in with questions. I don't know that we'll be able to get to all of them, but again, you can follow us on Twitter, uh, the links are down at the bottom of the, or in the description, excuse me. So you can go ahead and knock that out. Um, you can reach out to us there, DM there. You can jump into the comments here. Uh, I mean, anything. Just uh, There are a ton of different ways that you can reach us. So go ahead and knock that out. We do have uh, at least five right now that we will kind of rapid fire through these. Um, Kentucky minus one and a half against Mississippi State. Uh, it's in Starkville. Total of 47 here. Kyle, I want to get your idea on it. Uh, Kentucky seems like the logical play. My line on this was actually Kentucky minus four. I they are zero and four. No, sorry, zero and five straight up. Their last five trips to Starkville, they have not won there since two thousand eight. So that scares me off of it just a little bit. I don't think State is a bad team, and I don't know that Kentucky has faced a defense like this thus far this season. Hey, you get in a night game on the road, and maybe you're not quite used to it. I, I could totally see, because we saw Kentucky play at South Carolina, if they were playing a better team, those three turnovers could have really cost them. I'm going to stay away from this, but Kyle, you uh, you got a feel on this one? I don't have a feel on this one. 81% of the bets on Kentucky, only 55% of the money on Kentucky, which is kind of interesting. I don't trust Kentucky enough to bet them here. Uh, like, like you said, Gary, they've not had success against Mississippi State. Mississippi State's defense is a well-coached defense, kind of a unique defense to scheme against, obviously. So um, I, while I would lean Kentucky if I had to bet it, I don't have a lot of confidence in that. I know, that totally makes sense. Parker, you got a feel on this one? No, um, exactly what you said, Gary. Yeah, just just don't trust Kentucky. My, my numbers are almost in perfect agreement with yours. I don't like the mismatch of defense and offense here. So no play. There you go. Uh, next game on the board, we had Robert. Uh, that was Brad that asked about Kentucky and Mississippi State. Robert wanted to know about Fresno State at San Diego State. The Aztecs are a one-point favorite at home, total of 44.5. I know that Ronnie Rivers is not expected to play in this game for Fresno State. Um, San Diego State, it, it's the biggest discrepancy between a good offense or sorry, a good uh, defense and a bad offense that I may have ever seen. I think they're like number 120-something as far as their offense goes efficiency-wise, and the defense is like top five. 
I mean, it's unbelievable the difference there. And yet they find ways to win. Their punter is outstanding, had an 81-yard punt. He's had multiple 80-yard punts this year, but he had one from his own end zone against Air Force. Uh, just a, a fantastic, fantastic football team that's old man football to the extreme. Now, can Fresno take advantage of that? I, I mean, th- this game's a one-point line. I, Jake Hayner could do all sorts of stuff in this game that could totally throw me off of it. I kind of lean San Diego State because I like defense uh, more so this year. But, you know, uh, Parker, you uh, you got to fill on this one first. Uh, Gary, I have San Diego State as the 101st worst offense and the second best defense, or 101st best offense and the, and the second best defense. So, yeah, absolutely. 106 in offensive success rate, 128 in passing success rate. Um, I just wouldn't throw the ball, but their defense is so good. Second against the pass. Uh, I, I like Jake Hayner. I think he's been really, really good. Again, the the schedule strength there is a little bit surprising, especially when you have somebody completely off the radar like Hayner performing better than, say, Carson Strong. Um, I don't, I don't think that Fresno will be able to score a ton. Uh, I have this as like twenty one seventeen San Diego State, but Fresno's defense nothing to sna- uh, sneeze at. Twentieth overall, obviously, and so I think that this will be a really slow game with a lot of you know it's going to come down to like a fumble or a defensive score. So I don't have a strong play. I would lean towards San Diego State just because that defense is so much better than anything Fresno State has seen. I, I'm with you, Kyle. You uh, you got a feel on it. I would lean toward Fresno here. I think uh, although San Diego State has a good defense, and I do think they have a good secondary, look at the offenses they've played so far this year. They haven't played an offense that can throw the football even half as good as Fresno State can. Uh, Jalen Cropper is a problem, certainly. Hayner's a good quarterback. And um, I've seen conflicting statuses on Ronnie Rivers, so we'll we'll have to see as it gets closer to game time on him because he certainly means a lot to this team in the run and pass game. I lean toward Fresno. Uh, um, you know, this is one of those offense versus defense matchups. And guys, I'm looking forward to watching this game. I think this should be yeah. a fascinating game. Oh, it's it's going to be magnificent. It's it's in the late window. Uh, I am pumped about it because we'll start early with Michigan and uh, Michigan State, and then you get to end it late with Fresno State and San Diego State, two fantastic football teams. Uh, Stephen had a question earlier. Charlotte at Western Kentucky. Uh, I have been all over Western Kentucky this year. They pushed for me last week. Uh, of course, that game had exactly everything that Kyle told me that it would with uh, a little bit of rain and all that good stuff. So uh, Western Kentucky is a 17-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Charlotte. Uh, the total is 73 on this game. I, Kyle, this seems like a ton of points, but I still kind of think that Charlotte might have the best wide receiver core in Conference USA, and they're just not able to get over the hump for whatever reason. Like, they they're work really well in between the 20s, and they can't seem to get it done once they get into the red zone or whatever, and they can't, they can't get points. Uh, I, I, that's why I'm staying away from this one, because I think that Charlotte could score a lot in this game if they break it open. Uh, Kyle, first, you, uh, you got a thought on, on Western Kentucky and Charlotte. Yeah, the, the total here is really tricky because this is a high total for a very good reason. Charlotte's a pretty good offense, very weak defense. We know how good Western Kentucky is offensively and how fast they play gary again i'm sitting here looking at the forecast and i see a chance of rain in this game 12 to 15 miles per hour winds i can't take an over 73 with that kind of conditions um maybe western kentucky will have some a little bit lower scoring games here and then in the future we'll get to play some western kentucky overs again uh as far as the side here i like western kentucky in general but i don't think there's much value on this spread so uh, i i'm just passing on this game uh, that that totally makes sense. 
Parker, I want to ask you about a different game here. Uh, Brad brought up Arkansas State at South Alabama. Now, we, we've kind of been riding with the Jags a little bit. South Alabama is a nine-point favorite. They lost outright last week against UL Monroe. A nine-point favorite for the Jaguars at home against Arkansas State, who has not been great by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, total 66.5. They expect points here. What version of South Alabama shows up this week? That's really the question. I, I, I kind of on both sides, like who is Arkansas state? Obviously they're coached well and you know, they brought in a bunch of transfers. And so I think there's, there's, you know, things are good at things they're bad at. Again, the ceiling on the South Alabama passing offense is very, very high, but they, they have struggled earlier in the season to get Jalen Tolbert the ball consistently. And when that seemed to be kind of fixed, I was all over them. And then last week that, you know, this didn't really feel like they could get, um, get him the ball. I do think that, you know, Arkansas State 126 in the EPA per pass defense. Very bad. I'm not sure they have an athlete that can compete with Tolbert. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, I think that South Alabama should cover the nine points, but Arkansas State has been annoying this year. And uh, and so I don't I don't see a ton of value knowing that, you know, South Alabama may just not have any ideas how to get Tolbert the ball. And Arkansas State has just been scrappy as all get out. So uh don't don't love this one either way, although my numbers have South Alabama pretty, pretty big. Now, that definitely does make sense. Uh, we are we are running long, so let me go ahead and remind everybody, we're not going to get to every question, uh, but we did try and hit some of these. If you have any other questions, you can follow Parker on Twitter, at Stats of War. You can follow me, at GaryWCE, and you can follow Kyle, at KyleHunterPicks. Very easy to do. There are links in the description for you to go ahead and do that on Twitter, or you can just leave your question in the comments, and we will jump in and actually answer it for you. So go ahead and knock that out. Uh, let's go ahead and do this recap here and tell you exactly what our picks have been on the day. Uh, Parker, we'll start off with you. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell me uh, what you are riding with this weekend? I can't believe I'm betting on Northwestern, Auburn, and Notre Dame um, I, this week. I love, uh, I like Syracuse minus six and a half here. I like Houston and a pick em. I'm riding with Auburn minus three on a Saturday night. And I think Notre Dame will be able to frustrate North Carolina's offense to the tune of uh, covering that negative three and a half. I can get down with that. My picks on this slate, UTEP plus 10.5 against FAU, Oregon State minus 1.5, uh, another road team that I'm taking as a favorite uh, over Cal, and I'm going to take Houston at home as a pick em against SMU. Parker, you and I are the same on that one. Uh, Kyle, what about you? What, uh, what have you got for us? I've got Florida State and Clemson under 47 and a half and Syracuse minus six and a half like Parker does. And we had a lot of plays on yesterday's show as well. So definitely check that one out. Yes, yes. Go and check out the Wednesday show. Of course, like I said, there is a podcast out there. Go to the BetUS football show and you can listen to the audio version as well. So if you want to hear our sultry voices, as I said again, uh, you can do that as well. Very easy to do it. All right. Uh, Let's go ahead and tell everybody, again, make sure that you subscribe to the channel. Make sure and hit that notification bell. We do this on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and Thursdays at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. And yeah, the length of the show just kind of varies on how active you guys are in the chat and everything else. You guys are fantastic. We appreciate all of you for being here. Share the show out. Jump in with your picks. Uh, leave some comments. We certainly want that. That helps us out big time. Uh, and, of course, we'll close out with this. Sign up at BetUS, where the game begins. Go to BetUS.com and enter the promo code NCAAF2021. It's going to give you a 125% sign-up bonus up to $2,500. 
and it is sportsbook exclusive. I can't, I can't stress this enough. I get so excited about it every time because the deal is unbelievable. You need to go take advantage of it. There is a link in the description. You can click that link, and it will go ahead and toss in that promo code for you. So go ahead and knock it out over at BetUS.com. Promo code again, NCAAF2021. And I think that that is going to wrap it up for this week. Again, jump into the comments, hit us up on Twitter, etc. We are willing to answer any question that you might have. We are here to help, and we're here to have a conversation. We like talking with you guys. So we certainly appreciate all of you for being here, and we, uh, we hope that we will see you again next week. For BetUS, where the game begins, we'll see you again next Wednesday.